Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. You know, 
101.5 UMFM. This is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Alves, and kicking things off for us tonight, one of my all-time faves, Cootie Man with Always Be Alone. That's a new single from the forthcoming album, Open, which will be out next month. i got a busy show for you tonight. We're going to get into it right away. Uh, Zachary Lucky, uh, formerly of Saskatchewan, now of Ontario, making his way to Winnipeg next week to play The Times Changed. We'll get an interview with him right after this new track from J.P. Ho's album, Botanicals. Just say what you want to say. He's at the Park Theatre tonight. It's a sold-out show. If you didn't get tickets for that one, though, get tickets for October 17th at the Park Theatre. It is the Tell the Band to Go Home 20th Anniversary Live Recording Celebration. Uh, this will be a part of UMFM's Pledgerama. You can go to umfm.com slash donate or tellthebandtogohome.com for more info. Uh, J.P. Ho, Nikki Maida, Carrie Latimer, and more on that one. And uh, stick around here on 101.5 UMFM. Shed the layers I 
All right. Well, our old friend Zachary Lucky is on tour across Canada again, bringing his songs for hard times to the times change the perfect location for songs for hard times. September 22nd, that's next Thursday. But first, he joins us on the line. How's it going, Zachary? Hey, thanks so much for having me, Michael. My pleasure. So this is, uh, the album came out last fall, but this is kind of essentially like the tour for the record, right? Yeah, exactly. The album came out in November of 2021, and we managed to get a couple of shows in. Uh, it was like peak Delta mm -hmm. at that point. And, uh, but yeah, for the most part, managed to squeak a couple of shows in across the prairies. But this is the first real... I guess you could say album release tour across Canada. Mm -hmm. How, how is, I mean, cause you were, you're a road warrior. We've talked in the past, obviously when you've come through town and stuff, how has touring changed in, in the current climate? Like what, what goes into making a tour happen these days? Yeah. You know, I think right now it's not too different. Um, touring in general for me has changed over the past, you know, I guess I could say four or five years. Uh, becoming a father, you know, seven years ago, things just sort of naturally slowed down. Back in the day, you know, we'd be out 150, 200 days a year. And in my brain, a tour should be like no shorter than an, at least a month and a half, mm. you know. Uh, so things are a little bit different now. Um, it's slowed down quite a bit the past few years. But yeah, this is the first sort of bigger Canadian tour that I have done in a long time. I was... Uh, feeling very romantic about you know the memories of being on the road for quite a while and and uh, doing these long solo runs across Canada going from coast to coast it's been a long time since I'd done that and uh, so I kind of I was wondering whether I could do that again and and how it would look and you know it actually came together pretty quickly and uh, thankful to have a lot of uh, venues that are sort of homes along the way out there mm -hmm. and uh, friends and family and fans who are uh, helping make it happen now, I remember when you you know first became a father and we did talk about kind of fatherhood changing things for you in terms of, you know, now seven years into it, when it comes to putting together a tour or something like that, like you said, you used to think of it as like a month and a half as being kind of like the basic. How, how do you balance parenthood with, with you know, the, the need and the desire to get on the road as a, as a touring artist? Yeah, it's a real juggling act, you know. Uh, for our, quite a few years, actually, I was the parent doing most of the, you know, stay-at-home dadding. And uh, I still kind of do all the, the walking to school and stuff. So when I do go away, it is a real juggling act. Uh, but we're, we're pretty, you know, the, the old saying takes a village to raise a kid. And uh, that's, that's very true. And uh, we're very fortunate to have a great support network. And, and uh, so when I go on the road, it's not just like me making this happen. It's a whole bunch of people uh, behind the scenes who are kind of helping uh, – you keep the wheels turning and, and keep, uh, you know, it's kind of like we're juggling knives, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, I it. imagine it's not like the, just the logistics of like your own routing, but like the logistics of juggling things at home and making sure. Sure. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, I, I try and keep it to be, keep the tours a little shorter. Uh, two weeks is sort of the, the sweet spot. Uh, this next run is a little bit longer. It's about three weeks, but you know, when you're going from Ontario to Victoria and back, uh, in playing almost every single night, it's it's hard to make it any shorter than that. You know, we tried to keep it as uh, skinny as possible, but uh, yeah, it still ends up being about three weeks. And uh, but it's good; it feels good to have a lot on the horizon mm -hmm. and a lot of miles in front of me. <clears throat> Going to be visiting a lot of towns that I, I haven't been to in a long time. Haven't been to BC since 2016, and, and haven't been to Vancouver Island since uh, even before that. So mm -hmm. um, it's going to be yeah exciting to kind of get back out there and in my element and kind of 
kind of back in the flow of things and, and see how it shakes out, you know. For sure. So let's talk about the record, Songs for Hard Times. A uh, couple items of note. One, it's traditionals. Yes, definitely. Yeah, uh, traditionals and, and, and a there's a couple covers. cover songs in there too, yeah. But, but, but no Zachary Lucky originals. Was that a – did that just kind of come about by happenstance or was that an intentional thing that you decided? That was intentional for sure, yeah. O- over the course of the pandemic, uh, you know, being locked up at home, off the road, away from – uh, the bandmates I, I make and play music with. Um, you know, I, I quite honestly didn't find myself singing my songs or gravitating towards the songs that I had written. Um, I mean, it, it was not an inspiring couple of years, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And, uh, you know, it was funny because I looked around and some people really took that time and were really inspired and made, you know, seven records, you know, Daniel Romano, yeah. you know, people like that. And then you go like, man, what am I doing? I'm not, do- I'm not doing anything. Uh, but honestly, it was just just where I was at with life and and what our, our home life looked like. It didn't really give me the space to be in that that mindset. Um, so the songs that I, I found myself gravitating towards at the end of the day when I sat down on the couch and and had five minutes to play were these old traditional songs and and cover songs, you know, like uh, Rex's Blues by Towns Van Zant that ended up on the record, and a whole bunch of other ones. Uh, these are the songs that I sort of found comfort in over those couple of years. And uh, the more I played them, uh, the more I kind of thought, man, that would be kind of a cool record. It's a record that I would like to listen to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if other people would like to listen to that, but that's something that I think I would like to hear and see what it would be like to hear myself singing those songs. Uh, and so, it, yeah, it sort of kind of was birthed out of that place. Um, and then I, I traveled north of uh, where we are in Aurelia to a, a little cottage. It's such a kind of lame a uh, white guy thing to be like, oh, I traveled to the woods and made a record, you know, but it's just, uh, what I, actually, we tried to make this record a couple times in different studios. We had time booked with um, Gavin Gardner from the Wooden Sky down in Toronto in his studio mm. and a couple different things, but every time we got around to doing it, there was like another lockdown or something like this that prevented it from happening. Right. So eventually it was like, okay, I got this cab and I can go to, I got a, one microphone I can take with me and who knows, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. And, uh, but you know, frankly, and it was just a, a really relaxed couple of days, which was quite different than working under the clock or on a budget, uh, trying to pump out as much as you can in a studio. Uh, and I think that's reflected, you know, like it's, it sounds really chill, um, and very natural and kind of, kind of woodsy, you know, I guess. And I wasn't sure if people would like it. Um, number one, because it's such a stripped down and kind of organic raw recording, and number two, the the content. I wasn't sure if anybody else would be into it like I was, but uh, so far people seem to be uh, responding very positively to it. And and uh, you know that, that's good. It was, like I say, it was sort of a record I needed to make for myself, and and something that that I wanted to hear. And it's it's nice when it that can also be something that other people enjoy too. Well, as as an artist, I mean, you're your first audience, right? Like you have to kind of please yourself before you start hundred percent. But I think there's also a thing where you kind of, at least the past couple of records, I've been a little more conscious and, and kind of wondering, you know, especially with my songwriting going like, okay, I think this is something people would like. Um, and just trying to, yeah, trying to make something that either the general population might enjoy too. Mm. Uh, making this record that didn't cross my mind at all. 
and, and maybe that's something I, mm. <laughs> you know, maybe that's something I need to do more of. Uh, maybe that is the point that I should just be uh, making the music I want to hear and hoping other people Come like to you. it as well. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. But um, the, the yeah. single microphone, uh, I mean, there's a note on, on the Bandcamp page that's, you know, single ear trumpet labs microphone. I have to imagine that's like expedience if you're going up into the cabin, just not taking a lot of gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, and just like limitation too. Like, I don't live by like a long McQuaid or anything or any place where you can rent stuff. I don't have a ton of gear. Some some musicians have all that stuff, but you know, I I kind of uh, I got out of the whole recording thing a bunch of years back and just kind of got tired of trying to cobble together stuff myself. Um, so I, yeah, limited equipment, and I kind of went. Well, you know what? I got this one microphone. I think it sounds okay. Got an interface. Got a ten year old MacBook. <laughs> you know, uh, what can we make happen with this? And uh, I think sonically, you know, especially on the vinyl, it, it turned out pretty nice and and uh, definitely sounds different than my other records. I've had people say, you know, this is your best sounding record. And I'm going, man, it's like <laughs> no studio, no no $5,000 microphones. It's amazing what you can do. You know, it's just, just a couple of things. Well, that does take me back, like, like, you know, reading up on, like, when Ian and Sylvia made some of their, like, first records, like, they would drop one mic above them, and they would kind of, like, position people around the microphone kind of in a circle that, like, finding the limits and pushing against those limits of, of like, the technology and then yeah, yeah, trying to capture 100%. as much of it as, as possible. That's like, I, I wonder if people are resonating because it's like much more like what you would get, like if we just went and saw you play solo at the times. Yeah, well, that's kind of part of it for me too was that uh, I wanted to make a record that when COVID was over, I could go and tour it, you know, mm-hmm. and going out with a big band right now. I mean, some people are getting back to it. Uh, I've done a couple duo tours or things like this, but... Uh, I don't see in my near future that I'll be taking a big band out. Um, so it was nice to kind of know in my head, okay, when people come to the show and they say, which record should I get? And I'll say, okay, this one actually sounds like what you just heard. Um, I kind of liked that idea. And, and I think you're right too. I mean, it was it was kind of fun to, to go up there and experiment with it. Um, I sort of had the mic set up in numerous places in the, the space I was in until I found a little corner uh, that I thought, sounded really nice Mm -hmm. um you know and it's just yeah i think again it just comes down to the vibe like it was very relaxed and there was no pressure and there was i mean there was no record you know it was just sort of me going up there to do something for myself and it was nice that it ended up being something that could become a record Mm -hmm. so then the songs that you ended up including like did you record any more than that or was that kind of you'd sussed out these were the songs there was definitely one more that I had done uh, that didn't make it on the record, a Gillian Welch song. Um, I, yeah, there might have been a couple other ones. I think I maybe recorded an original tune it too, but um, you know, I didn't want it to be too long. It's funny. Some people have called this thing an EP, but uh, there's records that are shorter that are called albums. So it's it's kind of a funny thing. You I know, know. It's, it's such a like vagary of things, right? It's like yeah, it's like well, to me, it's just it's it's music, and uh, it's a it's I put it together a certain way in a certain order uh, to be enjoyed a certain way, you know. Yeah. Um, and re- I think it's a release. It, you know, this the seven songs that felt complete enough, and it for me it actually kind of left me wanting more, which uh, I think that's a good feeling. You know, it's good to get to an end of a record and be like, man, I want to listen to that again. 
instead of being like, oh, that was that was too much. You know, like when I listen to Pink Moon or uh, any of those Nick Drake records, actually, you know, big big Nick Drake fan. He's probably one of my number ones. Mm-hmm. And I at the at the end of the record, I always turn it back over because it's it's you know it's not quite long enough, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, it's it's good to to want more at the end of something. For sure. Well, let's leave people wanting more. I'll get you to pick a track off of the record we can play for listeners. And uh, maybe if you have a reason why you're picking that song, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Uh, what do I want to hear? Let's do, uh, let's do, I wish it was a mole on the ground. That one, it's funny. I kind of go through phases with songs. Um, that first tour we did, we didn't play that song at all. Um, but that's maybe one of the oldest songs on the record. Like I've been singing that one since like, 2009 2010 maybe mm. i discovered it from a fellow named bascom lamar lunsford who was a, a folklorist down in the appalachians and uh it's you know, it's kind of just a funny little song that uh, i've enjoyed singing a lot and uh, the past couple of weeks it's come back around for me and it's just sort of i've really been enjoying playing it uh, my kids don't love all my songs but they love this one for some reason they think it's a they like singing along to it so i've mm. uh, been enjoying it a lot and and yeah hopefully you folks enjoy it too Family favorite. All right, we'll give that yeah. one a listen. Uh, Zachary, uh, playing the Times Change next Thursday, the 22nd. In the meantime, safe travels, and thanks for taking some time. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. I wish I was a mole in the ground If I was a mole in the ground I'd root that mountain down I wish I was a mole in the ground My darling wants a nine dollar shawl My darling wants a nine dollar shawl And I come over the hill With a forty dollar bill Baby, where you've been so long I've been in the bin so long I've been in the bin so long Well, I've been in the bin With the rough and ruddy men Been in the bin so long Wish I was a lizard in the spring Darling, won't you let your hair roll down Darling, won't you let your hair roll down Let your hair roll down Your bangs twirl around Darling, won't you let your hair roll down Darling, won't you let your hair roll down 
wish I was a mold in the ground. I wish I was a mold in the ground. If I was a mold in the ground, I'd root that mountain down. I wish I was a mold in the ground. I wish I was a mold in the ground. Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. Right before the break, Courtney Marie Andrews with a brand new single called These Are the Good Old Days. Before that, Zachary Lucky with I Wish is a Mole in the Ground. Zachary at the Times Changed next Thursday night. Uh, coming up after this next track, my interview with Matt Allen, Minneapolis rapper who performs under the name Nerdy. And uh, boy, we had a great chat yesterday. I'm excited to play this interview and uh, before we get to that, though, local hip-hop group Turn the Gun's new album is called Perpetual Survival. This is We Run All the Way.
the nine to five. We run all the way, we gotta call the mate. Gonna get started then, we're giving all of it. Donate a part of it, a genius thought of it. See when to stop then, feed up all of it. See that parliament, you need a ball to play. We did not obey, keep it anonymous. Hearing the arguments, speak up in all the fence. Feed up all the threats, see a psychologist. Go hard when it's time to go hard But I find a final stop Then I might as well bother No jobs worth dying over Or forcing mind over Head above, keep your eyes open At home with the kids Or going with the detox Flowing with the raps I can show them with the Reeboks How we run, no need jogs or speed walks To beat odds, please try to keep up Because Trying to make it out the ashes You're taking out the trash And some fresh new packaging Guess who's back again It's no accident It's on happening Glad you could laugh at it Behind you in the past Throwback is the hashtag And you're carrying that Try to bury a sandbag In the various bandwagons Chariots crashing And burying hatchets When you're contrary You're staying steady on track Now you run plenty laps Till the sun's setting That's how you turn the gun Upon the unsettled Used to riding with one pedal Flying with one A.K.A. Nerdy, uh, released HVN, which stands for Here Versus Not, earlier this year. Happy to have the Minneapolis rapper on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is my first ever, like, interview outside of the States. Oh, really? Yeah? Yeah. The first yeah. Cross, cross-border. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's a rite of passage, I suppose, like Minneapolis and Winnipeg. It's, it's a, a short trip, and, you know, yeah. people do some cross-border shopping or come up for, for shows or whatever, and I... I was telling you in our email, you know, as a lifelong Vikings and Twins fan, I've certainly gone to my share of games down south. So Skull. Yeah. And we out nice here. Start, out nice start Vikings. to the season. Kicking, kicking yeah. the Packers butt there. Not bad. Not, not mad at that. We don't get that every time. So no. I think Minnesota sports has a year. We were so close in the Timberwolves last year. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking, like, this might be our year to really make some waves across multiple. You're you feeling know, that Gobert teams. trade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we got it. I think we'll be all right. A little defense, give Cat a breather. Yeah, exactly. No yeah, that's, that's what we need. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, you're part of the the Minneapolis rap scene, which I mean, it, it, we're we're no strangers to up here, right? Like we've yeah. you know we're familiar with atmosphere, we're familiar with the Rhymesayers crew. Uh, like, did you grow up kind of listening to some of those folks, or like what it's led you to rap? You mentioned that, yeah. I I have. The Minneapolis, the Minnesota hip hop scene has like these pillars 
in it that are like pretty standard. Like everybody's listened to Atmosphere. Um, everybody's listened to Brother Ali. Mm. I was able to go on tour with Brother Ali, which was such a wonderful experience, and I had a really uh, good time doing that and yeah some of these people are people have been listened to for a long time but also just like music from all around the world specifically hip-hop though mm-hmm. you know what i mean we've we're lucky in minneapolis to get a little bit from everywhere so it's kind of cool was there a specific artist or specific album that you know pointed the way for you that you heard it and you're like i want to do this yeah oh yeah no it's without a doubt which is going to be very recent so like throw it off there like without a doubt the coloring book by chance the rapper mm. i think really shifted my thoughts on this is something that i could do you know because i love childish gambino listened to him for a long time outcast big fans of them uh biggie smalls obviously you know as a as a east coast transplant to minnesota you know big big in there as well but when i heard the coloring book i remember thinking to myself this sounds like me this sounds like some of the stuff that he's rapping about, the 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 emotions he's evicting, the world in which he's grown up in is very similar to mine. And if he can make music like this and have fun with it, I can do the same. And so that's what really like shifted my gears internally. So kind of the personal storytelling that that resonated. Yeah, just that, and just also just like you know um, this sort of like evangelical upbringing, but like kind of moving away from it now, sort of like where do I find myself having all of that kind of in my brain right? and translate it to hip hop in a way that feels more natural to me. Right. It was powerful. Really powerful. So then you, you make the decision, like you, you hear coloring, but you're like, I can do this. Choosing the moniker nerdy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's Shout obviously like convincing and, and like, you know, recognizing your, your own kind of personal taste and, and background. Yeah. Did like how did you land on that? Well, it's funny you it's funny you mention that because I've always kind of just been a weird, geeky, nerdy kid. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been like my bag since the jump. And that at, when I was younger, that was something that people would say to make fun of me. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're nerdy. Oh, Matt's nerdy. He's mm-hmm. like a nerdy kid. And um, when I started like hanging out with my brother after school, and his friends would all rap together. And everyone wanted a rap name. And I was like, I am nerdy. Like, I said, nerdy. Like, I am nerdy. And originally, fun story, it was N-E-R-D, not N-U-R-D. But every time someone would type it into Google, they'd find Pharrell's band. Oh, yeah, yeah. N-E-R-D. So I was like, oh, should I change my whole name? But I really was like, this is who I am. Like, I am nerdy. And so I switched the E to a U. Phonetically, it's the same, nerdy, yeah. but like, hey, I was the only one. The Google that, results so. certainly put it at the top of the page, right? Yeah, I put it at the top of the page. And when I met Brother Ali for the first time, one of the things he talked to me about was that nur, N-U-R, means light in Arabic, which I didn't know. Ah. And so he thought I knew that. He was like, oh, that's really cool that you like flipped that. And I remember being like, sure, sure I did. <laughs> I mean, I came, I came clean. I was like, I had no idea, but that's super really cool. And so, yeah, it's just stuck with me from that on out. Like, yeah, I am nerdy, but I wear it, like, and I love it. Was that to like take some of the power away from other people saying? Yeah, that one hundred percent. Like, that's the thing. Like, if someone's going to come at you for how you look, what you love, that kind of stuff, like, you flip it, you flip it on them because then it doesn't, it can't, it doesn't have as much power as it would have otherwise. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this is yeah, I'm nerdy and I'm that you're correct. You are 100% correct. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand how that's a negative thing. I love I'm incredibly passionate about the things I'm passionate about. That seems like a win. No, absolutely. The it, it also like weirdly enough it's like taking another n-word and destigmatizing it or <laughs> like reclaiming it. Yeah, you know, there's definitely something similar to that. I think it's just like, yeah, no, this is me. I am. You can't. That label no longer hurts me. And in fact, I'm going to use it to great effect. Yeah. And I think very similarly, like, that's what it is. Like, I'm using it to great effect. And it's power. It's power. It's my power. You can't take it. No, no, absolutely. You know, over the last couple albums, tonally, you've shifted, like, you know, like, to reflect the reality of your like lived experience and the outside yeah. world of you know the black experience in America, yeah. Do you feel that your name is like kept up with that? Like that? D- did you have any thought about like oh if I'm gonna pivot away from like kind of the hardcore nerd stuff? It. Yeah, I thought about that. I actually did. I really that's a good question because I honestly did. I said to myself, oh man, like I'm talking about some really big stuff. Like people might get stuck on the name. And, but then, you know what I said to myself, though? I said, it's okay for people to be surprised by what comes out of my music. Mm. Like, it's all right. It's all right for people to come in thinking it's going to be one thing. And then it turns out to be, yeah, that's there for sure. You can find it. But it's not just that. And I think that's important. Because some people won't listen to somebody that they should because they think they know everything about them or they will listen to someone that they should um and get something that's like a surprise so people listen to my music and they're like i love the dungeons and dragons songs i love the bits about comic books and and pokemon and digimon i like those references and then you get them to listen and then you go oh hey by the way here's some really important stuff that you might also find uh, important that you should really hear and you'd be surprised how many people be like I never thought of it that way or I never even heard this before it's because we get so segregated in our enjoyment in our entertainment yeah so I I thought about changing the name but I said you know what no let them be surprised right that this is like like a gateway yeah thing that you mm-hmm. you can kind of provide an in if someone's coming at you from the like nerd culture side of things exactly yeah, you know, I was thinking about it when I was listening to the album again and, and the track Revolution. And y- y- your first ru- your first line is, I'm going full Magneto. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, it instantly tells me, that, like, oh, as a person who, like, read the X-Men comics, I know what you're talking yeah. about. And at the same time speaks to the, like, very now feeling of like you know social unrest and and revolution that you're you're trying to address right that like yes i i I was like oh you know this this actually like i was questioning whether he should maybe like think about his name change but like this this actually like you're you're coming at it and and it's like that absolute kind of like through line of i'm gonna i'm gonna draw from like pop culture references and i'm gonna have x-men first class audio clips on this album yeah yeah but I, uh, but you're also going to get my response to George Floyd. You're going to get my response to what's going on. Yes, because nothing's in a vacuum. That's the other bit. Nothing's in a vacuum. And we, and I think one of the things, especially in fiction and in entertainment, 
that we as a culture all around the world really need to like i think refrain from doing is to segment it segment it so much that we don't have that bleed over mm. you know that's why you get so many people upset about like the little mermaid being whatever skin color little mermaid say. Is, is because they're like well this is my escape from xyz and you're like you shouldn't want to escape from the fact that people might have a different color than you like that shouldn't be something that you need in order to enjoy yourself you shouldn't have to hear nerdy and be like i only want to hear xyz out of this person because it's giving very you know shut up and dribble vibes yes absolutely so like it's one of those things where i'm just like you know what I'm going to still talk about whatever I want to talk about. And if what I want to talk about is social change and racial injustice, then I will. And if it's what I want to talk about is Devil May Cry 3 and Mega Man upgrades, then I also will. Like, I, nothing, there is no walls. I could do either or. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, like, I'm thinking of like that rings of power, right? That like people are freaking out about like black elves. And it's like, yeah. you know, people are like, yeah, if, if you have a problem with, like a fairy tale creature being black, the problem is not the fairy tale creature. It's not the fairy tale creature at this point because it's like, yo, dude, um, it's not real. I don't know how to help you. Yeah. Also, just gonna throw this out there in the new She Hulk. Not that this matters to anybody, but in the new She Hulk, Thunderbolt is one hundred percent played by a white dude, and he is very black in the comics. Like he's a he ends up being a Wakandan scientist. Just to throw that out there, so it's not as if like yeah, yeah. people aren't it, getting shifted around. It, it certainly right. gets pivoted away. Yeah, like, and this is just was just made. This wasn't like you know Lawrence of Arabia nonsense. This was like this is like this, this week. Last week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's still happening, and I mean that's yeah. ultimately like the notion, like the personal is political. Yeah, that this, this is this like, is an inescapable right. thing. Um, <laughs> in terms of like writing, then like do you put pen to paper first? Like, do you sit down with like kind of like an overarching idea you want to address in a track and then kind of like write around that? What's, what's that? Yeah. It's kind of like, well, I, it, it, the music has to come to me first. That's one of the big bits. You know, I might hear a beat, my DJ Hayes might throw me something and I'll be like, Ooh, I really like how this sounds. What does this make me feel right away? Just hearing it, just hearing the song, the, 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 the key, the cadence, like, what does it make me feel? What does it invoke in me? Mm-hmm. Uh, from there I go like is there a life experience that I have that I can equate to this emotion I'm feeling if so then I start writing from that as a as a theme as a through line but sometimes I don't so like oh, <laughs> we're doing all sorts of things at the house today um, like let's say uh, for example Gwen Stacy one of my songs Gwen Stacy now I've been blessed to never lose a loved one I'm in a relationship with but when I heard this beat that's what I felt like you know Mm. what I mean that's what it felt like to me so I was like well I don't have a personal experience like that but I know someone who does and that's Peter Parker and was being able to write through that experience through line Mm -hmm. I was able to write a song about losing someone that you're that you love and it was really cool for me to be able to do that as far as like the beats go because you got a few different producers on on HVN like do you solicit beats? Like, what are you like? Are you saying like, hey, because I'm thinking is particularly like the track Revolution, yeah, that like boom bap style, yes, recalls PE, right? Like it's hey, yeah, yeah, heavy like '89, like that that kick, mm-hmm. that hi hat, and then you know you've even got like fight the power, yep, a line chanted, 
Exactly. Like, do you go to the producer and say, like, I'm looking for this? Or does do you get a beat like that and you say, I know exactly what I want to write on top of this? Yes, and. It, it, it's like a little bit of both. It depends on, you know, the beat. Sometimes the beat. Like so that one, right? Mm-hmm. I had told my I told my DJ, DJ Hayes, I said, Hey, you know, here's a a group of gospel tunes that I like a whole lot. Like I enjoy a whole lot. This album's gonna have a lot of this imagery going through it. Go nuts. Bring me something that I could do something with. And then Revolution, obviously, by Kirk Franklin and, and God's property, like that was a thing. So then DJ Hayes brought it back to me, going like, Here, listen to this. And I was like, Oh we're on it and then it all just kind of came out wow 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 but other times i might just kind of like be cruising through beat stars be cruising through you know youtube looking for like tiktok looking for producers that make music and when i hear something i like i'll go like hey i really like such and such such can i buy that like can i get that from you and so it's kind of this worldwide collaborative effort I love being able to work with producers from where I live, but I also love being able to work with producers from all around the world to be able to create a sound somehow, even though none of these people have all talked to each other, it sounds like we've made this as a team. That's because you're, it's like your taste ultimately is like the refining or like refracting yeah. thing that's pulling it together. Exactly. Yeah. You sing as well as rhyme sure on, do. on the record. That came naturally. Like that was just always kind of going to be who you were. Oh yeah, no. I was uh, I was singing <laughs> as soon as I learned how to speak. Pretty much, my my grandfather was big into music. I my mother was big into music. I sang it in my church all the time, every Wednesday and Sunday, multiple times on Sunday. I, t- I tell people all the time, like, there's a reason why so many people like from the church end up doing like music in such a high capacity. It's because multiple days of the week you just performed a concert every day and so like i did that and that's where that came from i did choir in 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 school Mm -hmm. so i was in choir all throughout you know primary school all the way into you know grade school and university uh just constant so it's like i've been a part of the singing fortune and i did rock and roll before I started doing hip hop, I was in a rock and roll band called Black Genesis. It sounds very metal, but it really wasn't. <laughs> More like garagey, or it was like what we wanted to be was like, what if Phil Collins was black? Okay. So we said Black Genesis. Okay. And that's the kind of music that we made. So like post Gabriel. Yes, and 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 I I I still stand by that some of it was pretty good, but it wasn't what everyone was looking for at the time. So I kind of pivoted away to do something that has a little bit more of my own creativity in it. As long as you're speaking your own musical truth, that's uh, ultimately exactly that's what's the most important. Do live, sing the song that you want to sing. All right, let's look at the look at the Stranger Things song that came, that like blew up after like how many years later. You right. know what I mean? Let just make your own song who knows when it will be appreciated yeah and I, that actually kind of b- b- brings to mind like the whole like notion of like nerd culture like not giving people crap for like what they're into oh that's so big gatekeeping is such a gross practice yeah because like i could think like i was a i was a kate bush kid growing up right like i was into yeah. the like really emotional overwrought tunes yeah and certainly drew some heat for that and like pet shop boys and stuff like that and then now it's like the biggest thing on on earth and it's like oh yeah. my god like can we stop with the guilty pleasures can we stop exactly. with like giving people grief for what they like 
we could have enjoyed this for decades had you just been cool about it. Like I had, I was the kid who was listening to S Club Seven in secret. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I knew everyone was gonna make fun of me. But I loved S Club Seven. <laughs> like I just did. I, I had no, there had no reason for it other than the fact that it was dope to me. Like S Club, there ain't no party like an S Club party. Everyone was talking about InSync and Backstreet Boys. So I was sitting in the back like S Club Seven's pretty dope, guys. What if we done? What if we did that? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and I mean, like what they like. Yeah, that's ultimately like the like finding joy, and yes, obviously something that you know we've seen in the last couple of years is like let's not just have trauma narratives. Let's rediscover black joy. Let's let's one hundred percent find find that beauty in things. What that is, I couldn't say that better. Black joy is such a rarity unabashed black joy is such a rarity and it's always sort of tempered by this sort of like waiting for the other shoe to drop sort of thing if you remember when black panther came out and people just were just like buying up movie theaters just to do it you know what i mean just because they were so excited like that is great that's awesome it's wonderful same thing with like other you know you know poc across the board like when shang chi came out yep. and everyone was like going nuts about it or araya the last dragon moana like they're they let people enjoy stuff and you'll be surprised how much more we all have you know what I mean? We all we all benefit. Yeah, people you know, I, I'm it. the father of uh, four four kids who will never menstruate, but we all watch Turning Red, and we're not bothered by the like, you know, exactly. that aspect of it, and loved the, you know, whole message of the movie, right? Like that, like my kids and I have watched that probably like four times. It's so fun and it's so great, and you can get something out of it, even if it doesn't directly talk to something that you are going to go through. Just find the narrative within it. Like Encanto, for me, I love Encanto. I have two nieces and a, and a goddaughter who are insanely into Encanto. I've watched that now how many times? And every time I find myself being like, what a powerful narrative. Mm-hmm. Like, what a good story to be told. Yeah. You know, we talk I talk about it with my adult friends on a regular basis how good that story is. Did you did you see it in theaters? I did it. I wasn't able to see it in theaters because I was just like, ah, you know, it's cool. It's another it's kid, movie. kid I'll, movie. I'll rock and roll. It looked very much like um Up Up and Away from Disney Channel, the original Disney Channel movie. Okay. Up Up and Away. And Cause... so I said, Oh, okay, yeah, you know, I've seen this narrative before. But it honestly, so good. Worth Yeah, because there was a short that opened it. Uh, which was called Far From the Tree. I don't know if you happen to see I that on see Disney that Plus one, no. or something, but it was the short that appeared before Encanto. I took the kids because they're, you know, at the age where like stuff like that is exactly in their wheelhouse. Yes. And even more so than Encanto, I was like, oh my god, this this like short just like gutted me because it was like about intergenerational trauma and parent parenting through pain and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, oh my wow. god, there's like so much here for people if they just come for it. They just come for, and it's okay. I have friends who are like, well, I don't want to watch kids stuff. And I'm like, here's the thing, guys. Like, you'd be surprised how much they give you in those things. Like, they just do. They'll, it'll change. I've watched some of these movies like Bell, the anime movie Bell that had recently come out, or even just The Boy and the Beast. I watched that last night. And about fatherhood and, you know, uh, trauma and pain and loneliness and it's just like, yo, these kids, these kids 
stuff, you'd be surprised at what you can learn if you let yourself just not be cool for five minutes, which is another reason why I don't think I've changed my name. Yeah. It's because, like, I, I have cool names. Don't you don't you worry. I have some I had some cool names that I could have picked. But I'm like, you know, once you start being industry cool, which is a thing and, and, and it's a habit. A lot of people are industry cool. Once you start becoming industry cool, I think you lose out on some of the wonder that you can have with just being a a nerd, just being a geek that loves something and is really excited about it and will be able to enjoy it without having to worry about whether someone's going to think they're cool or not. And it sets you up for chasing it, right? That like because things shift, you then are constantly unsettled or on the move. Whereas if you just embrace the like you that's you, you don't you don't feel unsettled. Exactly. The brace the you that's you. Ooh, you put that on a shirt. <laughs> let's, let's market the that. That's that's the that next nerdy uh, tour shirt, I guess, right? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> that's that's my gift to you for uh, giving me well, some time you. to talk. Um, I before, before I let you go, Matt, I want to get you to pick a track off of HVN that we can play for listeners. Uh, if you have an anecdote about yes. or a song, a reason why you're picking it. I think that Higher Power featuring Juice Lord and Mayada is one of my favorite tracks on the project. I think it, it highlights a, a lot of like what it's like to live in Minneapolis, which I think is a really fun thing to hear. The beat is just crazy. Mayada's vocals are on point. Juice Lord comes in with like some of the most interesting wordplay and tempo play that we have on the album. So I just honestly, it's a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite jams. It's a nice day out. I don't know what it's like over in on another country. Still getting my brain around that. But <laughs> it's lovely out. So if you're out there listening to something, just take a step outside and just feel the vibe. I think you'll love it. Feel the vibe. All right, we'll give that one a listen. The album's HVN, Nerdy. That's N-U-R hyphen D, Nerdy. Uh, I'll link to the record in the show notes. But thanks very much for your time, Matt. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. I can't believe it. I'm still I'm still geeking out. But I'm way too loud, that's right My tune shake ground in my Yaris Baby says I'm bigger inside like a TARDIS Thinking they be talking where my heart is I don't know what got me Maybe I've been loving everybody, probably Cause I got this higher power on me Real ones in the city never once dropped me, no I get my chicken from Sobo, my noodles from Sofu Whenever I'm down in the low I stayed on stage after stage from the palace and modest to rockin' at First Avenue I get my power from God and my people, now nerdy is what 
talking much higher than low. What can I say? You know your boy is from Krypton, my ceilings up, up and away. I do not stress over BS if muggles be throwing, they pull, I'm just saying, ole. This track is church, so I get if you put your right hand and your left hand together and pray. I'ma keep running the race, that's all my life and like every drop in Yo. the legs. This power higher than space, they gon' remember my name. Why? The times we face are wicked, get your soul intact. Blind leading the blind, it's time to detach. These movies ain't just movies, it's really cracking. These recent years have been trial runs for what's to happen. My people make the earth shake, but somehow people tend to dictate what's real or fake or a conspiracy. But the real eyes see through every lie that they try to hide. Uh, how many kings are really vocalized? How many queens put their life on the line? Uh, how many times they made our mothers cry? Infiltrated our movements when we were strategized. Uh, no, we can't have that no more. With no money, we are not poor. No, no, we can't have it no more. The real must connect while we got money on the floor. Huh, what you think they're knocking us off for? Locking us up for life, we're truly at war. Huh. Who's really on board? For real.
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio, and you just heard the latest single from The Comet is coming. That's Lucid Dreamer off of Hyperdimensional Expansion Beam, which comes out on Impulse next Friday. Can't wait for that one. Uh, I got one more new tune for you and then one more interview. Sarah Hiltz comes to Fort White Alive on Monday. We talked earlier today about her new album, Calm Fury. Before we get to that, a new version of Angel Olsen's Big Time, the title track of her new release. She recruited Sturgill Simpson for this edition of it. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. Good morning, kisses, giving you all my Pull back the curtains, show me the sunshine Needing this coffee, needing some nature Needing right now, it can't wait until later We're Maybe not this time
All right, well, bringing her Calm Fury Tour to the Fort White alive on Monday, September 19th, Sarah Hiltz joins me by phone. How's it going, Sarah? Uh, it's going pretty well, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. So this is the ostensibly the first date of the actual tour, right? You had an album release show in Toronto, but this is kind of the the start first, of the jaunt? Yes, yeah. yeah. Are you I set? to the, the booker that I am like, I'm kind of glad that I'm starting with this lovely peaceful outdoor show at the start of a really hectic schedule i think it's a nice way to start the road portion (laughs) yeah i mean because it's kind of dipping your toe into a cold cold lake or something right you got right exactly just plunge in i suppose yeah (laughs) i mean there's there's several you're playing some a cidery and a couple breweries and stuff like that in terms of booking this Mm -hmm. this swing was it intentional to kind of like go to some spaces that aren't necessarily traditional venues? Um, I mean, yeah, it was it was partly like we we do have a few more traditional venues on there as well. Um, but I do kind of like the idea of introducing this thematic material into kind of just a casual atmosphere because I do my hope is that this music and this album uh, will spark conversation with people and maybe prompt them to reflect on anger in a different way. And um, yeah, so I, I kind of, I like the idea of, of introducing that into like a, in a casual environment. This is like a safe space for people to explore this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, it, it can maybe come off as like a really heavy subject material, but I think between myself and my touring partner, Rebecca Hawker, uh, you know, we treat it fairly lightheartedly, and um, I think that people might uh, might just feel more lighthearted about it than they would have expected. Mm. Um, which I think is <laughs> that's how I feel like a lot of serious conversations in life can go. Sometimes they're very serious, but I feel like we can also tread through difficult subjects in a lighthearted way. That you know, it doesn't have to be as scary to talk about difficult things as we sometimes think it is. What led you to this topic? Because as I understand it, you, you went to the BAMF Center in 2019 and started kind of working on this. Like what, what led you to exploring anger? Um, so a number of years ago, it was either 2017 or 2018, I was doing kind of like a leadership development day and there was a kind of like a personality typology system that we all went through. And the, the type that I was, I did a little quiz, you know, and the type that it said I was, um, it was the Enneagram. So I was a type one who is an, um, classified as sometimes an angry person on like the less healthy sides of their personality. And I thought, oh, I don't think this is right. <laughs> I'm not angry. And my partner at the time just kind of tilted their head to the side and was like, Sarah. <laughs> I'm like, what? So it kind of came as a surprise to me that I'm a person who is angry. It was, And I just sort of had this habit of repressing anger through my life. And so it was kind of through that that I discovered that, oh, this is something that uh, I'm not I'm not really acknowledging that I experience. And so I kind of started to explore that for myself and try to express anger when I was feeling it. But then that didn't go well because I have I don't really have practice, you know, in my all my years on the earth, I haven't really practiced expressing anger. And then I didn't really like 
the way that it was coming across, you know, like it just seemed to be more destructive and constructive in my relationships. And so I decided to spend a few years researching the subject. I mean, the, I was, I, I thought I would spend a few months to be honest, but there was just so much, I found it so fascinating once I got into the research and then uh, when the pandemic kind of slowed everything down, that also stretched out the project. And then before I know it, it's been three years where I'm completely absorbed in the subject of anger. Um, yeah. But that was, that was what started it for my, for me, it was just trying to, trying to learn how to move through this emotion in a better way. So it starts as a personal thing that like this journey mm -hmm. to like discover, oh, wait, maybe I'm I am this way and, and maybe I don't want to be this way. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be an album at the end of it. True. True. Yeah. I mean, as a songwriter, I I tend to write about kind of like what I'm experiencing and moving through often an emotion, emotional level and often on the kinds of interpersonal conflicts that I'm navigating that seems to be a common thread of inspiration for me mm -hmm. in my songwriting and so I naturally started to write about it but I, it is the first time that I've kind of chosen a subject and decided I'm just gonna try to write a bunch of songs about this and I, I wrote a grant proposal around it and got that and that that kind of enabled me to spread out in the subject in a way that I've never done and it was so much fun because it's kind of, it's just pairing a bunch of learning, um, experiential learning and like reading some textbooks and meeting with different like community partners and consultants about the subject and then trying to translate that all um, and represent it in an artistic way, uh, you know, that hopefully people resonate with, you know, and it for sure it started from a personal space for me, but I also in speaking with other people, um, you know, I found like a lot of women experience anger the way that I do. Not everybody does. Like I have a, one of my best friends. She has no problem with anger. She doesn't feel guilty about it. She's very comfortable with her anger. And that's so different from me. Um, but I, there are other women who do experience it the way that I do. And, and I think like Canadians even, we sort of have this global reputation for being, uh, you know, polite and apologetic. And I think obviously you can't like just categorize all Canadians with one stroke of like, this is how we go through anger. But I think it, it's sort of an interesting conversation about like culturally as a nation, how do we move through anger, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think too, just even in these modern times of there's, there seems to be a lot more polarization than I remember anyways, growing up, like if things are very polarized culturally and with people, like we, I feel like, there's maybe less crossover between um, different kinds of groups of people. Um, I mean, maybe that's not true, but I, I just found like if we had different opinions and we feel very strongly about our opinions, how can we talk about them in a respectful way? And, you know, like how can we respect each other while holding different opinions and, and kind of agree on the underlying values that we hold as a country or as humans Um you know, without without getting super heated just because of a, an emotion that we're feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you start kind of like diving into this. You're, you're given extra time with, you know, COVID shutdowns and, and the like to kind of explore this. But like it, there, it is a topic that where you kind of, once you start scratching the surface, you realize just how deep mm -hmm. you could go on this. Like how do you find a limit or, or an end point for yourself so that then you can 
start writing or, or start making the album? Um, I can't, I was writing throughout the process, and when I started the project, like there were a couple of things I knew that I wanted to write about, and so I kind I had a list of sort of sub subjects, like um, that I wanted to touch on. For example, I saw this video of Sinead O'Connor um, back in 1992, and she was meant to perform a, at a Bob Dylan tribute concert at Madison Square Gardens. And um, when she comes out on stage, the whole place starts booing her because she had just recently ripped up a photograph of the Pope on uh, Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. So people were so upset with her. And so I saw this video and I found it really inspiring um, and a really poignant uh, illustration of the way that women experience anger and kind of the backlash that we can face if we express it. Um, so I, I, that was like one thing I put on my list that I'm like, I want to try to write a song about that. And um, that's the, ended up being the first song I wrote for the project. And it's the first song on the album, Retching in the Wings. But then as I, I was moving through the research, I read a book by Thich Nhat Hanh called Anger, Wisdom for Cooling the Flames. And there were a couple of concepts in there that I thought were so fascinating in it. And so I wanted to then write a song about um, kind of what can happen if you don't acknowledge your anger, if you tend to repress it. And then the flip side of that coin, of like if you if you take Thich Nhat Hanh's advice on how to deal with your anger, um, what does that look like? And so there's a pair of songs on the album, Bad Cycle and Darling I Suffer, where I'm, I'm trying to express that. And it's through a personal lens, but it's based on the concepts that I read in that book. Yeah, so, and, but that, those, I read, I wrote the first song in 2019, Bad Cycle, but then Darling I Suffer, um, I knew that I wanted to write it as it kind of the pair for Bad Cycle, but I wasn't able to complete that until partway through 2020. So I just like, I think as I was moving through the research, if, if a subject kind of strikes me or a concept strikes me, then I would just make a note of it of like, at some point I want to try and write about this. And some ideas that I had, didn't just, they didn't really work when I tried to write the song. And so they don't appear on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like ultimately I could just keep going with the research and uh, keep trying to write about anger. And what I ended up doing was actually creating a podcast where I'm interviewing different guests with a good friend of mine who can speak to the subject of anger and like how it intersects with different things. So, you know, anger and the body, like how does it show up in our bodies or like anger and communication. We spoke to an art therapist about that or spirituality. And, and so that kind of like allowed me to still continue to explore the subject while sort of putting a cap on the creative side of songwriting and, you know, not to say that I'll never write another song that's angry. I, I'm pretty sure that I will. <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, it sounds like, especially because if you said you're, you're writing songs from an emotional place or through your own experiences, it's not like yeah. you're never going to get angry again, just having studied right. anger. Yeah, I think I'm angry probably pretty much every day about something. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've stopped repressing it, I can acknowledge that, oh, this is the feeling I experience very regularly. <laughs> and this is anger, and previously I might have denied that it was anger? Yes. Yeah. Right. I, but now I, I feel like at least through the research and the work, I can also acknowledge that sometimes it's um, definitely not something to hold on to. And I can just feel it and be like, oh, I don't actually need to hold on to that. And it's over much quicker. Now, you're, you know? 
you enlisted several people on on the record, but you said you're just touring as a as a two person mm-hmm. act. Did did you have to kind of reframe or like recontextualize any of the songs, or do you feel that it was like a relatively easy transition to like pare things down? Um, it, about half and half. Like a few songs, I think lend themselves quite well to just sort of guitar and voices, a little bit of percussion. Um, there's the song Bad Cycle. I've actually can't, I can't. I can't do that with two people. So that's one that we just won't perform um, on tour. But And then some of them took a bit of reworking, but it, that's sort of a fun puzzle. And uh, Rebecca and I are pretty good friends. So it's just been a lot of fun actually to get to spend the time rehearsing with her and just playing music and singing. I, for year, I've known her for years and I always just loved singing with her so much, but we haven't ever had the opportunity to do it this much. So... That's just been a lot of fun. Good stuff. Uh, Before I let you go, Sarah, I want to get you to pick a song off of Calm Fury that we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking that song in particular, uh, I'd love to hear that. Sure. Um, I would say maybe play the song Love and Retreat, which it tells the story of a couple of different things, but primarily uh, a big argument that I got into with a friend of mine, which was sort of the inciting incident of propelling me into studying anger because it was shortly after I had discovered I was repressing my anger and when I was trying to learn how to express it it was one of the first instances that I was trying to let it out in the moment it was happening and it just really didn't go very well (laughs) we had this huge argument and I left there feeling so upset about the argument itself and also about um, just the way that I had spoken to him I don't want to speak to people like that and the next day uh, I started writing a song that I ultimately didn't end up going on the album. It wasn't very good, but it, it kind of was the thing that just peeled back enough of a layer for me to realize, oh, I think I think there's a lot more for me to learn and think about here. And yeah, so that, that was sort of the beginning of the project, Love and Retreat. And, and he and I, uh, you know, we both, we, we had a really lovely, um, you know, reconciliation over the over the I mean immediately we both apologized and we were like we want to have these conversations in a better way and it's been really cool to practice that together uh, over the last few years and and get better at having different opinions and talking about it from a space of love um, even if you're angry <laughs> so love and retreat that, that'd be my pick well, we'll give that one a listen uh, Monday at Fort White Alive. Sarah Hills, thanks very much for taking some time out of your day and, and looking forward to seeing you here in Winnipeg. Thank you so much, Michael. We talk religion, politics, all of the things that families ought to resist. It's never been like this before We've loved, we've laughed, we've never been at war I keep buying the door I meet her eyes across the room Try to guess what she thinks Of this conversational catastrophe She walks away and just starts to clean And I think it's a fine line between love and mature
treat The TV's off, we all sit and talk The night begins to
all lay here for months, melt into my.